0: Brethren, take your Bibles and turn with me to Romans chapter 12. I'd like you to keep your finger there. And once you've gotten there, turn over to Exodus chapter 31. So you've got Romans in the New Testament, Exodus in the Old Testament. We continue our series On the spiritual gifts of God. Brethren, I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is able to cause a Christian who is seeking after our great God with all their heart. To be able to do things that they normally would not be able to do. And to be able to do things that they would normally be able to do, but do them much, much better. I believe that God can take an artisan, one who could do art, and cause that person to be able to do art in such a way that it brings glory to God. I believe that God can take a musician and cause that musician to be able to do music in such a way that it brings glory to God. I believe that God can take a craftsman, and, and cause that craftsman to be able to do such things that people stand back and say glory to God. I believe that God is a God who brings great gifts upon this nation, upon this world, through His people. I couldn't prove this, but I think we're going to get to heaven one day and we're going to find all the things that have been able to be accomplished today that causes a people to stand back and say what beauty that person was able to accomplish, whether it be through the building of a building or whether it through the painting of a picture. And we're going to be able to look back and say, well, it all started with a Christian and the skill of that Christian which was able to be built upon that allowed that unsaved person to build that building or to paint that painting or to write that song. Ultimately, I believe that every beautiful thing that has true and lasting beauty had its origin with God. And God used His people to bring that into the world. There are many People today in our nation who are able to construct beautiful things. Able to write beautiful songs. Orchestrate amazing symphonies. And I couldn't prove it. I have not looked back. But I know this that many of the people who've laid the foundation of these things, in fact, I ultimately believe you could say all, and I think we're going to find that out. It all started with a man or woman of God who was filled with the Holy Spirit and sought to do what they do for the glory of God. That God, God Himself called them out to be able to do these things. And as we continue to live in this world... I believe that God wants to continue to do this work in the lives of people. He wants to use you in the things that He has gifted you with to be an exhortation or a comfort or coming alongside of God's people. It is going to begin with God's people saying, I am going to give my life to God. And what God has given me to do, I'm going to do it for Him. I'm going to do it so that others may glory in Him and not in me. Oh, that God would give us the desire to do great things for Him. And I want you to know the wealth of what God is capable of doing goes beyond what we so limit Him in. The idea that an unliving picture can't move a person has been shown to be untrue. Or a song that has no life in it can't lead a person to do particular things for God has been shown to be untrue. That the mechanics of systems that are crucial for the running of buildings can't be used for the glory of God has been shown to be untrue. And I believe that God, when a man or a woman is filled with the Holy Spirit and says, God, I want to do what you want me to do, they can do what God wants them to do with great skill. I want you to take a look there first in Exodus chapter 31. I want you to notice something I believe is very important. In chapter 31, Exodus chapter 31, we're having the work of God in the building of of the tabernacle and all the different things that were going to go in there. How is he going to do it? I want you to know that little tabernacle that we, we think of as sheets and sticks in the ground. It was built by a great artisan. But not because that person was simply a man who learned how to do things. But because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice what the scripture says. In verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in cutting "...of stones to set them, and in carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, behold, I have given with him Aholiab, the son of Ahasemach, of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom that they may make all that I have commanded thee. The tabernacle of the congregation, and the ark of the testimony." And the mercy seat that is thereon. And the furniture of the tabernacle. And so on and so forth. The holy garments. The very anointing oil in verse 11. The sweetness of the incense. All came because of men filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, would you guide this time and fill me. To do that which you have called me to do, please, I pray that you would use this for your glory. Amen. And so the Lord spoke to Moses and said, hey Moses, I want you to know, I have a man, his name is Bezalel. And this man I have called out to do a particular work. And so I want you to notice, God says, I've called that man out. And in verse 3, it says, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. And so what did God do for this man, Bezalel? He what? Filled him with the Spirit of God. Why did he do it? And what was the result? Notice what it says. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom. Well, whose wisdom are we talking about? We're talking about God's wisdom. He's saying, I have filled this man with the Spirit of God so that he might have wisdom. What else did he fill him with? He filled him with the Holy Spirit so that he might have understanding. He filled him with the Holy Spirit so that he might have uh Knowledge. And he filled him with the Holy Spirit so that he might be able to do that of all manner of workmanship. He wanted to be able to to do something through this man. Believe me, this is what he's saying. If this man was not filled with the Holy Spirit, what would have happened to the Tabernacle? It would have fallen down. What would have the, what would have the Ark of the Covenant have looked like? A mishmash of wood and gold that made no sense and did nothing for the pleasing of the eye. If this man were not filled with the Holy Spirit of God and the men that followed after him were not filled with the Holy Spirit of God, what would the incense smell like but that which comes out of the cow and you can smell as you're driving down the road? This is what the Lord is saying. He's saying all these things have come because I have filled this person with the Holy Spirit and these people that they might do this work. He says so that He could devise coming works. We don't know what it looked like as the table of showbread was put together except for the words of the Scripture because we don't have it. But I tell you the truth, there is no doubt in my mind that it looked as fine as any piece of furniture that you can find in the world today. And in fact, much of what we see in the beauty of the craftsmanship in these types of things, how did that ability... And the workmanship and the way of doing it get to what we have today. Many people will say it was simply discovered. People practiced and they found it out. We know that's not true. Because craftsmen have for generations gone back and have been taught this is how I do it. This is how I do it. This is how I do it. In today's world it's it's a wonderful thing. I was looking at YouTube yesterday. Um we're at one point we at some point we're going to build a uh, a wall in the basement of our home and uh, my son in the basement we've got two windows but the windows are on the other side. His bedroom's going to be a place with no windows and he doesn't want that. He wants dad I want windows. But it doesn't work because the windows are in the front of the house, and we don't want his bedroom to be what's seen as soon as you walk in the house. He said, "Sorry, son, you're in the back." <laughs> and so I began to look at, at YouTube videos and different ideas, and and uh, they're doing a certain thing with barn doors now, where they're they're hanging them on uh, sliders so you can slide them out. And I tell you what, it, it, the 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 mechanisms and. And the, the, even the building of the, the barn doors seems simple. But I tell you the truth, when I start to do it, you can be sure I will not be the one that ends up doing it because it will be a mishmash of mess. <laughs> and that thing ain't going to work. But there are certain people that are skilled at these things, and so we'll end up probably buying it from somebody who knows what they're doing. But where did that person learn how to build these things? And where did they learn about pulleys? <laughs> It wasn't that they just came up with it. These things have been known for quite some time. Where did it all come from? It came from the mind of God. And God filled Holy Spirit men and women to be able to do these things. And He continues to do this today. Brethren, if you are saved today, the Holy Spirit lives in you. Why? So that He might fill you. Why? So that you might be able to do the very will of God with excellence. In all types of areas. If you notice there. He says in verse 6. And I behold I have given with him a holy ad. And so it wasn't just one man. It was at least two. But it wasn't just two. Notice what it says. The son of Ahimusach. Whatever that is. "Ah -ah 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 Ahissamach. Of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts Of all that are wise-hearted, I have put wisdom. And so, who did God fill with the Holy Spirit? We have a number of people filled for the work of God. And brethren, I want you to know, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have every reason to be able to be filled with the Holy Spirit for the excellence of the work of God in all manner of things. Things that I never could do. Things that Rich would not be able to do. But Rich is able to do this type of stuff. Things that I could never do, but Becky would be filled with the Holy Spirit and do with excellence things that I'd never be able to do. And so on and so forth throughout the entirety of our church. And for every other person who comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ, God has just added to what He can do in this world with excellence. But in order for these things to come to pass, not only must the Holy Spirit live within us, He must fill us in such a way. He must be the one who is the ruler of our life. And all of these things lead to one ultimate thing, and that is that God Himself is glorified. What did God fill these men to do? Some planed the boards. Some melted the gold. Some did this and some did that. They certainly did not all do all things. Some did this and some did that, which led to one of the most important things that God had done in the desert in the building of this tabernacle and the instruments and the furniture that was in it. In fact... God gives an incredible amount of time and words to the tent and then the wall around the tent and then the way that each of the pieces of furniture were made and even the details of how the priest's garments were made. God gives page after page after page after page. Why? Because it all ultimately leads to to His glory, and leads to Christ. And brethren, I believe that God's in the business of these things today. And God wants to use you in it for His glory. As we look at the, these gifts that we see in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12, and you can turn them now to, to Romans 12. We're trying to look for an exhaustive list. Can we find out what, what is it that God has given and, and, and what gifts is He given that, that, that I might have one? <laughs> these gifts of the Holy Spirit, we, we long to say, well, these are the twelve. <laughs> these are the twelve. But the truth is, is that wherever there's a list, there never seems an, there never seems to be an exhaustion of what God is capable of doing in and through a man or a woman of God. There is teaching. There is preaching. There is hospitality or, or exhortation or coming alongside all of these things. And yet we also know that there are men and men, women in the scripture who built things, <laughs> who fixed things. And I want you to know man or woman, If God has gifted you in a particular area, He can not only allow you to do it, but He can get you to do it better. I have known men whose giftedness at fixing things is beyond the pale. It's amazing what they are capable of doing when it comes to machinery. And when they gave their life fully over to the Lord, what they were capable of doing paled to what they once were able to do. Even though they were skilled at it before, now it is unbelievable what they do- what they can do. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit of God. But as you look in Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the great danger is this. And it's always the danger. If God's going to give us a gift in doing something well, if we glorify ourselves, he can take it all away. If we're going to use what he gave us the ability to do and say, I did this because I am so wise or I am so smart or because I, 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 it steals away that what actually belongs to God. And it hurts people. When we take what God has gifted us with and use it for our own glory, it hurts people. When we take what God has given us and use it for the glory of God, it helps people. And so if you look there in Romans chapter 12, starting there in verse 1, the Scripture says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. These two verses are precious. They're filled with what it is that we ought to do in seeking and knowing the Lord and living our life for Him. It's filled with the wisdom of not living our life for worldly things, but for godly things. The context continues on though. In verse 3, we so many of us, we, we hear verse 1 and we hear verse 2. We don't get to verse 3. For I say... <laughs> So he begins with one and two in order to say verse three, for I say, though the grace of, uh, the grace given, uh, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, which ones? Every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according to have God have dealt every man a measure of faith. What he is saying there is this, Each and every one of us, by the grace of God, and by the faith that we have in God, allows us to do for God. But not so that we can think more highly of ourselves. If you're able, by the grace of God, to go into the nursery and not lose your cool... You might look and say to the, the other lady who might have lost her cool, say, I'm better than you because I didn't lose my cool. I tell you what, God skills many ladies with an ability to not lose their cool. I was telling Sunday school this morning, I don't know if there's more pressure packed and stressful thing to do in all the church than be in the nursery with 10 to 12 kids, most of whom are Crying. And I'm still trying to figure out why my little daughter can sit there and and sleep through the songs that we sang today. But when it's pitch silent in the middle of the night, she can't help but cry. I don't know what's going on. But, but, uh, but I feel for the nursery workers so often as you hear the, the little ones start to scream. And what are you going to do? They're kids. I think that's their job, right? But if you're able to get through a time with children unscathed and at the end say, glory to God. That's the only reason God gave you the grace to do it anyway. I remember being at Naughty Oak and, and uh ladies' Bible study on... Tuesday mornings. Oh, 10 o'clock Tuesday. (laughs) John, you're going to take care of the kids today. (laughs) Wonderful. And I tell you, they, they start doing all the things that kids do, beating on each other, throwing toys, and screaming at the top of their lungs. And I remember times where God says, why don't you sit down on the ground? And start putting together a puzzle. And I believe God said that. (laughs) And I sat down on that ground and I start putting together a puzzle. And all the kids started coming over. And I praise God for that three and a half minutes before they went back to it, right? (laughs) It was wonderful. It was a great three and a half minutes. I praise God for it. (laughs) ay ay, ay. Why'd you become a pastor? you get out of the nursery, right? Yeah. The problem we have is, is that we have success in the Lord. And brethren, I want you to know He wants to bring great success. He wants to use you in marvelous ways. You know, it's amazing to hear men and their jobs and they, they go about their work and they they have opportunities to to speak for the Lord in their work. And, and it's so easy sometimes to think that you're better than another person because God is giving you a particular ability or gift to do something. We need to be careful of that, not to think of ourselves any highly than we ought. Because when we think more highly than ourselves, which always means this, I did this, God didn't. <laughs> And we need to be careful because sometimes we can say God did it, but we know everybody knows we mean we did it, right? But when we begin to think of ourselves more highly, and I'm glad he said think, he didn't say say, he said think. And that's important because what comes out of our lips isn't necessarily what's in our brain, right? What we're thinking about. We may be thinking, I'm so good, while out of our mouth we're saying glory to God, but everybody else is thinking, this guy's filled with vanity. And so he says, listen, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Why? Verse 4. For as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members of another. What is he saying there? He's literally saying, yes, you may be good at something that someone else is not good at. But that's only because you're one member of a whole body. That is what he's saying. Do you see that? He's saying you're just one member of of the whole body. And that person that you're trying to lift yourself up above by saying that you're good at a particular thing that they're not good at, Yes, you may be making them feel bad and you may be lifting yourself up and feel good about it, but believe me, you're hurting the body of Christ. Because you are stealing away what I want them to think of. And what I want them to think of is what I have done in their life. Verse 5, So we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members of one another. Verse 6, Having then gifts differing according... To the grace that is given to us. And so what gifts? Differing gifts, right? Whether prophecy, let us prophecy according to the proportion of faith. If God has given you the gift of declaring and explaining and preaching the Word of God. To bring the Word of God and to declare it to many people. Then do so. With all the grace that God has given you. Or ministry. Let us wait on our ministry. That verse that verse in verse seven or ministry it's that is the Greek word diakonos, where we get the word deacon, it means to serve another. If you have a if you have been given the gift of helping, then do so according to the grace that you've been given. It says, let us wait on our ministering. In other words... Wait on others and do what you do for the glory of God. Or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth, that word exhorteth is the same words that use, is used for the Holy Spirit when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit in John chapter 15, that comforter, that word exhorteth, same word. It literally means to come alongside. And brethren, it is so important that if we understand that each and every one of us have been given gifts of God to do things for the glory of God, we are going to need people who are going to be able to come alongside and say, man, you're really good at this. And you could really be a help if you continue to do Don't quit, but continue doing that work to the glory of God, right? Hebrews chapter 3 says, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. What does that mean? It means to come alongside and move forward. It would be like me uh, if I were walking along with my son and he started to get a little slow and I was coming up behind him. It would be me putting my arm on the back, the, the, the lower part of his back and saying, Let's go! Right? And picking up speed. That's what the word exhortation means. That's what our comforters come to do. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our own lives. But God uses people, and there's, I praise the Lord for gifted people who have the gift of exhortation, who've come alongside me and said, Pastor, continue. And doing the things that God has called you to do. We all need that. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. I praise the Lord for the folks that have been given the gift of finances, much money. Give it. Give simply. What does he mean by that? He's he's hearkening back to what Jesus said. Not letting the left hand know what the right hand is doing. In other words, don't do it so people think how great you are because of how much you give. He that ruleth with diligence. If you're good at at doing a particular uh, you're you're good at leading people to doing a particular task do it diligently for the glory of God he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness and all these things you might say well aren't we all supposed to be kind of all these things yes but some are going to be very good at it shouldn't we all be merciful yeah but don't you praise God for the people whose mercy is above the mercy of others. Who, when you stub your toe, don't do like me and say, well, just get up. Come on, it's just a stub toe. They're like, man, are you okay? I appreciate Chloe when she does that. My daughter, Lily, she's something else. She cut me with her little toenail. I hope I'm not embarrassing the little girl. And she started crying. And when I say cut, I'm not talking about even bleeding. I'm just talking about it being red, right? But she felt so bad. There's some people who laugh when when something bad happens. You fall down the steps and they start laughing. (laughs) Never understood that. It's like, I'm pretty sure I just broke my arm. (laughs) I appreciate the other ones that that just come alongside and say, man, are you okay? I'm so sorry that happened. We're all different, right? God's made us different. The uniqueness of man is beyond what we know. Are you with me? The uniqueness of Christians is beyond what we know. And God is calling us to to live for Him to the glory of God. May God help us with this. Because here's why. There's two things that can happen. We can become good at something, lift ourselves up, and be proud. And pride cometh before fall. The other danger is that God gifts us with something and we don't use it. That's an abuse. God doesn't want this. In fact, He wants us not to neglect the gifts that He's given us so that we get worse at them. He wants us to use the gifts that we have so that we get better at them. He wants us to practice and ultimately he wants us to every day turn to him and say, God, what would you have me to do? And to be led by him in it. We can look at all the, these, this, this list of things he goes on. Um, in verse 9, "...but let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, in honor performing one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord." And so the context of all these things and the gifts that He's given us is number one in verses 1 and 2, "...be willing to use what you have for God." That's what he means by being a living sacrifice. It means to be willing to take that which God has gifted you to do and rather than do it for your own glory, you do it for His. You with me on that? That's what he means. There's something that God has gifted you with. Do it for His glory. Whether it be building a house or any number of things, if we begin to limit what God can do to simply teaching, then what you have and what we have in America today are churches that literally revere the pastor to such a thing that there's nothing else that could ever be done. You say, well, pastor, you're... You do a good job at teaching and preaching the Word of God. Well, praise the Lord. If you've been here long enough, you've also known me not filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Preached a dud. That's okay. The carpenter also has to reduce some things every once in a while, right? Well, it's not okay, but... We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to know and love our God. And He will make you better at what He has gifted you to do. May God help us. Amen? There's so many gifts within this room. Gifts with children and adults and gifts in making things and crafting. Gifts of exhortation. You know, if a person in our church comes up and is excited to see you, praise God for that person. Amen? Because most folks are not like that, but that person may be gifted in just being excited to see you. And you say, well, they're excited to see everybody that walks through the door. Praise God. Amen? May God help us. Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes. God has made each and every one of us different. There are those things that are spiritual gifts that are explained to us in the scripture, they're numbered. You could pay, you could make a little chart and you could put number one, two, three, four, five, six. We could explain each one as best we can. But I want you to know this, we must also understand that any spiritual gift really comes down to this. Am I doing it by the power of the Holy Spirit of God indwelling me? Which means, and I believe this to be true, That if you began to lay carpet filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you're going to lay that carpet better. God has skilled you with that. And He wants you to do it for His glory. That is a spiritual gift because it comes of the Spirit. he led by the holy spirit brethren the quietness of the moment god's speaking to you about something it may not have been mentioned from me by me but he's speaking to you about something the quietness of the moment listen and respond Spend time with him. As our musicians come up and lead us in our final song, continue time with the Lord. As God leads you to commitments, don't let them pass by. Another interesting thing in the book of Psalms, the title so often say something like this, to the chief musician, we praise the Lord for those who are gifted and skilled musicians, do what you do to the glory of God, amen, amen, as the Lord would lead, we're going to sing number 142, I'm not calling you to stand up and sing, if the Lord is speaking to you and you don't want to stop and you're you're committing and you're you're listening continue with the lord but as the lord leads and as you finish worship with us number 142 there is a fountain filled with blood number 142